0: Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. In case you don't know, here's a picture of my family. In case you don't know, Uh, there we are, everybody. And uh, this in the middle is uh, Patty's dad. His name is Jack. He's actually been here once from Michigan. And then, uh, for those of you that don't know, our daughter Janessa, our son Jake, and our daughter Carmen, or daughter-in-law, just so they understand that a brother and sister didn't get married, okay? (laughs) Our religion, we don't believe in that, just so you know, okay? And then, of course, little Kenny, who had a uh, three-year-old birthday this week. Come on now. And uh, so so that's my family, just for those that don't know. And uh, one of the greatest joys in my life is right there. That's what puts a smile on my face more than anything else. It's who I'd rather hang out with more than anybody else. And, and I think one of the things that keeps me from taking my family for granted is I grew up without one. And as a little kid, I remember praying every night until I was somewhere around 13 years old. I prayed from the age of 5 to 13, virtually every night, God, I want a dad. I want a dad in my life, and and then when I got a little older, I realized, well, I don't know, but God, I just want a family. What I didn't realize is God would bring me a family, but it would be my family, and it wouldn't be when I was a kid, it would be when I was an adult. Well, I should say, while I was in an adult body, (laughs) I was still a kid. (laughs) How many can relate to that, right? And so I grew up without one, and I wanted one so bad. And I'll just say from me, our kids, and I'm speaking for Patty here today, too, but our kids... Uh, they are our greatest joy, but how many parents can relate? Your kids are also your greatest stress. Not because they're bad. I'm not talking about them being bad, because uh, n- none of your kids are bad. They they move around this church like angels. They never do anything wrong. Look at all the parents that are like. All right, is he talking about your kids? I'm not sure. All right, and and but it's the most stressful. An exhausting thing that I have ever done is raising kids. Can I get a amen from the ones that have done it or the ones that are trying to do it, right? I mean, this couple right here, they're only 22 years old. No, I'm just kidding, all right? Adults, um, what happens is we get older and, and, and we don't understand kids anymore. What happens is we kind of forget what it was to be a kid right and and kids don't really even understand their parents so there's this communication gap we don't understand kids and kids don't understand us and then they become teenagers and then they're really aliens how many know I think it was Mark Twain that said raise your kids uh, and everything's fine until they're five years old and then put them in a barrel (laughs) and then put the lid on the barrel and feed them through the knot hole of the barrel when they become teenagers plug up the knot hole all right (laughs) I'm not preaching that today. I'm just saying what Mark Twain said. We don't really all, even as kids, we don't understand our, our parents. I didn't understand my mom. I grew up with a single mom, and I didn't understand my mom. I didn't understand how come when she was tired, I had to take a nap, right? Uh, or when she was cold, I had to put a coat on. How many know exactly what I'm talking about, Right. Uh, uh, yesterday we were all sitting outside and, and there was a bee on the deck. And Carmen said to little Kenny, he said she was afraid of the bee. And she said, if you don't bother it, it won't bother you. And it made me angry. Because I remember the time we were driving down the road in our 1967 Ford station wagon. And remember those little wing windows, you guys? Uh, And and a bumblebee hit that wing window and came into the car and was mad and was flying all over. I was like an eight-year-old kid. I started crying. Mom, there's a bee in the car. And she said, it must come out of mother's textbooks. (laughs) She said, if you don't bother it, it won't bother you. I started crying harder. She said, what's the matter with you? I said, Mom, I don't know what bothers the bee. (laughs) I don't, it's already pretty mad. You hit it with the car, right? Uh, and how many of you had moms that had it and they always had it up to show me the mark? I've had it right up to here. I, always wondered, I, did, I was never brave enough to say, well, mom, you got about an inch to go, you know? <laughs> moms, I just wonder, how come you can't come in like before it's at Mach 9? How come you can't come in and say, I've had it about up to here. We'll give you guys a little bit of grace. I don't understand that, right? And, uh, of course, I recently told you when I bought the little lawnmower to start my own little lawnmower business. And my mom said, if you cut your legs off with that lawnmower, don't come running to me. You know? (laughs) And I just don't understand. Mom, I don't understand. Sometimes our frustrations makes us feel like the lady who borrowed a playpen from one of her friends. Do we still have playpens? Is that still a thing? (laughs) This mom said, we got twins. Thank God for playpens, all right? and uh, she borrowed a playpen from one of her friends and a few days later she sent a thank you note and said it was exactly what i needed every day i jump in it while the kids run wild <laughs> <laughs> family life looks crazy these days sometimes we feel guilty for being frustrated and we feel guilty that man our kids aren't well behaved or, or we feel guilty that i should have done a better job or We feel guilty because somehow the leave it to beaver rewind came on and your family doesn't look like that. And so we feel guilty. Today is not about any condemnation because the good news is God knows your kid's name. And he has a plan and purpose for them. The challenge is that God puts them in our family, in our home, to steward those and bring those gifts out. Right, everyone? And I got to thinking, why is raising kids so hard? Now, there's a whole lot of reasons, but let me give you two still in the way of introduction, and then I want to take you to a Bible verse that I think will help us. But why is raising kids hard? Number one is we don't always know what to say or do. Is that right, parents? We just don't always have the answer. We don't know. Sometimes we honestly don't know if we should be laughing or crying. How many know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, it's really funny. It's really naughty, but it's really funny, right? And you're trying to discipline. Look at some of you are like, yeah. We, and we don't have, we, I know all the spiritual people in the room say we have the Bible. I know. But for the rest of us, We don't have this reference book that tells us about every situation and every circumstance and every friend. You know, at least driving a car, you have an indicator light, right? You have an indicator light that says you need to change the oil, you're getting low on fuel. You you know, wouldn't it be great if our kids just had like an indicator light right on their forehead that (laughs) shined up, you know, and told us what they needed? I wish that they did. And often that works for, what what happens is often what works for one family doesn't necessarily work for another family. And I want you to hear that statement because my whole premise is built off of that. Because you can't come in and just hear one message and say, okay, I have three keys, my kids are going to be godly. No, because every child is different. Am I right about this? Yeah? And so often what works for one family isn't it the exact equation that works for another, just as what works for one kid come on, doesn't always work for the other kid From the same family, they got the same blood in them, and they're like, "What? Their brothers and sisters. How, how in the world could that be? So for. Now, I only have two examples to use, and, and I apologize to my kids before today got here. And, and, and all I have is Jake and Janessa, and, and so they're different as can be. Sending Jake to his room if he got in trouble was like a vacation to him. Right. <laughs> it was like a retreat. In fact, we still look for Jake often, and he's in a room somewhere all by himself to this day, and it, 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 was, like, it was like a retreat for him to do that. But if I did that with Janessa, it would crush her. Jake loved to ask the question, why? How many of you have kids that ask, why? Did you go through that phase? And and by Patty's prompting, she said, honey, just answer the question, why? It's how they learn. She's always so stinking positive, you know? And (laughs) It's it's how they learn. Just answer the questions. And so one day I decided I'm going to answer why every time to the best of my ability. And I think we got to 12 whys, and I finally said, because that's the way God meant it to be. It's just all I had left. You know what I'm talking about, right? And what's wonderful about that is now Jake has the daughter that's asking him why all the time. Aren't Payback's wonderful grandparents? Ah. And they ask crazy questions. Janessa one time asked, does God have toenails? And she was serious. Uh, How do you answer those questions? Uh, And when we don't know what to say, how many of you know, parents, what do we often say when we don't know what to say? We say, No. No. In fact, we're really brilliant. We even spell it sometimes. N-O. In fact, sometimes we'll even say, what part of no, don't you understand? Look at these parents. They're reading the same script, right? (laughs) What part of no? But here's what I've come to learn as a parent and now as a grandparent, that the word no often means I love you. It often means I want to protect you. It's tricky giving your kids wings and roots all at the same time. It's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. Why is raising kids hard? Uh, number two, it's, the, it, it's an exhausting, endless responsibility. All these parents that are, well, when they get out of the terrible twos, what? You're, what, what happens then? Your parenting ends when they turn two? Well, when they get out of that junior high, then, when they turn 18, then, when they get out of the house, then. No, once you're a parent, come on, you're always a parent, right? Now, I've always been a very responsible person. As a matter of fact, once in counseling, my counselor said, Ken, you're, res- you're trying to be responsible for things that you don't need to be responsible for, and it's stressing you out. But when my kids were born, this sense of responsibility hit me like a ton of bricks. How many of you remember that, right? And I remember it clear. Two of us went into the hospital, Patty and I. We went into the hospital, just me and her. We've been having a couple years, just me and her having a wonderful time. But before we left the hospital, we had to take this little alien boy with us. (laughs) Two went in, three came out, and I don't know how the rest of you are, but I freaked out. When I was pushing her down the hospital hallway in the wheelchair, and she's holding little Jake, I was freaking out. I thought, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. And, and, and of course, it was just this crazy situation. Matter of fact, they asked me to cut the umbilical cord. And I, I thought, what? All these doctors in here, we don't have enough people that can do that? <laughs> I wasn't about to do that. I got Jake home. Parents tell him, nod at me if you did this. And I gave him the speech. You know what the speech is? I brought him home, our firstborn. We had his room all set up. I held him real close to me. And I gave the most heart. I mean, it it should have been scripted. It it should be in books now. I said, son, I didn't grow up with a dad, but I'm going to be the best dad. I'm going to be there for you. I had tears coming down. It was a moment, man. I was holding him. He was looking at me. (laughs) I'm going to be there for you all the time. And when I got done, tears running down my face, he projectile puked all over. (laughs) And I almost think I heard God laugh when that happened. Because it was kind of like, see, that's what happens to me as a father, right, everybody, right? I heard it said that it costs in today's market about $300,000 to raise a boy, okay? And then I read on, and it costs about $30 million to raise a girl, (laughs) Anybody have girls here, and you're like, "Yeah, I get it." All right, I've been in ministry since I was 19 years old, and and um, I, I, I'm 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 greatly aware of my responsibilities as a pastor. I'm greatly aware of my responsibilities and do's and don'ts to you as a church. But one of the things I think I did okay was I always put my responsibilities as a dad above that. And today I'm grateful. Because my family's sitting in here doing ministry with us. So let me take you through. Amen. Uh, let me take you through a verse that many of you parents have read. I just This is just kind of a refresher course. Proverbs chapter number 22, verse number 6. I'm going to read it out of the uh, New American Standard Bible. And it says this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he grows older, he will not abandon it. Now, let me just, I'm I'm not going to, I'm just using this as a backdrop. This is not a Bible study kind of a message today. But a lot of times Christians will read that verse and they'll misinterpret it saying we got to raise them in a godly way. Well, yes, we should raise them godly, but that's not what this verse is referring to. When it says train up a child in the way that he should go, it's not saying train up a child in the ways of church or in the ways of God. Yes, we should do that, and there are other verses regarding that, but that's not what this verse means at all. It says train up a child in the way he should go. There's a word here in the original text. It means in their bent. How many know every child has a bent? They have a personality, right? Right. And so that's what that verse is talking about. It's it's talking about raising your child in accordance with the bent that they have, the personality that God put in them. So train up a child in the way he should go, because God designed us all a specific way. So as parents, we figure that out and we raise them according to those bents. We raise them according to their strong will. We raise them according to their passive wills. Come on. We raise them with their high energy. We raise them with their low energy. We raise them with their parents' uh, qualities. <laughs> right, everybody? We, we raise them that way. So, And then he says, even when he grows old or older, he will not abandon it. Okay, let me pull out a couple of things about this verse that, that I hope will help you. Number one, this verse tells me the first thing I need to do is, is you need to know your child. Parents, this takes engagement. You got to know your child. And you can't group all your children into one pile because they are very different. So you got to know them. When we ha- were raising kids, Jake was cool, calm, and collected all the time. He was cool as a cucumber. Janessa, on the other hand, was perpetual motion, and she still is. All right? Okay. Now, now, Pat, let me give you an example. Patty homeschooled our kids up till I don't know, fourth grade or so. And so she homeschooled our kids. Jake would sit in his desk at his chair, book open, pencil in hand, writing notes, studious it could be, just like his father. <laughs> I'm a pastor, but I have feelings, you guys. He would sit there as studious as can be. Now, Janessa, on the other hand, she would sit in her chair upside down. She would throw things at the ceiling. And and in other words, they were completely different. They were both learning. Patty frustrated one day said, okay, what did I just read? And Janessa quoted the whole chapter that she had just read in detail while sitting upside down. Maybe she needed more brain to her head. I'm not sure. But we can't raise them. uh, we, We have to raise them the way they should go. And we can't raise them the way they should go, watch this, until we know who they are. Parents, you have a responsibility to know who that little alien is that God put in your house. You have a responsibility to know them. What, what, what makes them sad? What makes them mad? What makes them lose their temper? What makes them throw a fit? What are they compassionate toward? What do they laugh about? What do they cry about? You have to invest the time to know who they are. And this takes watching them, and it takes listening to them, and it takes being present with them. Come on. We have to raise them according to their bents and their personalities. Uh, Jake, he always learned from books. I mean, like, from day one. He's six months old down there reading the Encyclopedia Britannica, all right? I mean, he's always learned from books. He's still that way to this day. He reads theology and apologetics for fun, everybody, okay? If you don't know what that is, thank God, okay? Anyway, anyway. So Jake learns from books. Janessa, she learns from books, but she learns mostly from experiences. So as parents, we had to make sure that we had a home library and a library card, and we also had to make sure we went and did family adventures. A recent survey, the top three answers that parents give when their children come to them. Here's the top three answers that parents give when when their kids come to them and ask them something. Here here they are. I'm too tired. We don't have the money. And just keep quiet. Isn't that terrible that those are the three answers? Uh, One little (coughs) boy heard this and he said, Well, as soon as we're born, they teach us to walk and talk. But from that moment on, they tell us to sit down and shut up. Mm -hmm. The scripture here is not talking about raising them according to a set of rules. It's not even talking about raising them according to certain theology. It's It's not talking about that at all. It's about raising them, watch this, according to their personality. And that takes watching. And if you try to force them to be like you, or force them to be like the other, or force them to be like little Johnny down the road... They're going to be angry, they're going to be sad, they're going to be mad, they're going to be depressed, they're going to be anxious, they're going to be fearful, they're not going to have security because they were meant, we are meant to groom them in the way they should go. Is that making sense so far? The second thing I get out of Proverbs 22, it says train them. And so I did a little deeper dive into this. And and this is interesting. The word train or train them up. Here's what it means. It means to create a thirst. Uh, Do I have that definition at all? Okay. Yeah. Okay. To, to, To create. Oh, yeah. To create a thirst or to direct or lead. So once I figure out what's their bent, I start creating a thirst toward their bent. I I start leading them according to who they are. Is that making sense? We got too many daddies trying to force Johnny to play sports, and Johnny doesn't like sports. Johnny is an artist, and he's frustrated because Daddy wants to relive his glory days through Johnny, but Johnny wants to play the guitar and color pictures. Come on, somebody. Help me out here. Grandmas and grandpas, I need some good old-fashioned amens in here today, all right? Okay, so... I, I, and so one of the things I did to try to do this is we always tried to take them wherever we went. I did youth camp. I preached youth camps for like 12 years, 12 summers in a row. And and they went with us all the time. And, and I tried to take them with me when I preached in conferences. And they had sit as young kids around table with pretty important people over their lifetime and over the years. And and I remember one time I was preaching at a church. Their dedication, they had just opened a beautiful new 3,000-seat auditorium, Luke Barnett in Dayton, Ohio, and I was preaching. When I got done preaching, I was down talking with people around the front of the stage. We used to call the altar, and it was a bowl-type auditorium. So it was like a main floor, then it bowled up just uh, like an auditorium. And Patty used to dress Janessa in all these little frilly dresses, especially when we would go away. And she was wearing this purple dress with a whole bunch of white frills in it. And I was up there talking with somebody and praying with somebody, and I seen a flash of purple and white rolling down the bowl of the auditorium. I just did as any pastor would do and said, praise God, you know, as she rolled down. But you got to give them the experiences based on who they are. Don't take them to the ball game if they'd rather go to a concert. Come on now, right? And so, uh, now, Janessa, she's probably told you this in sermons that she's preached here, but Janessa tried everything. And so it wasn't like a one and done. It was a long journey to help her figure out her bent and who she was. One year it was softball. Then it was basketball. Then it was cheerleading. And then it was jump rope club. And then it was underwater basket weaving. And then it was karate. And then one day somebody from the church asked her about theater. And that was her thing. In fact, she just had opening weekend, this weekend of Into the Woods, uh, and the tickets are sold out. She runs that show, and that was her bent. And so it wasn't long after that, well, I, I had an opportunity to go preach in New York, so we're in Times Square. And I thought, this is my moment, because she loves theater. We bought, we bought Broadway tickets. I, I forgot the show, or maybe I didn't, but I don't want to tell you what it was. All right? All right. <laughs> We bought tickets. We had a bunch of people going to go with us that were there with us on the trip. And I got to looking. It was going to cost me more to rent two taxi cabs or enough taxi cabs to get everybody to the theater. And, And so it was cheaper for me to rent a limousine. So I rented a limousine. Come on now. We got all dressed up. We put on our Sunday-go-to-meeting to clothes. She had her little clothes on, and we got in that limo. I mean, she was like 8 at the time. She thought her dad was a rock star. Don't you love the days when your kids think you're a rock star? <laughs> I opened the door, and we got in the limo. Woo! And we got to the theater. We got out, went into the show. And the limo driver said, "Hey, he, hey, buddy, let me tell you, when the show's over, if you want another ride back to your hotel, just I'll be here. In the back alley. So when the show's over and everyone gets up and heads toward the door, you go toward that back exit door, walk out, and I'll be there with the door open. I thought, absolutely, the show is over. Everybody's running out. And I said, little girl, come on, follow your dad. And I opened the door. And there was the limo in the alley waiting for us. Come on, everybody, right? Here's what I'm saying. You got to raise your kids and expose them to who they are. Jake, I don't remember how old he was. He loved Legos and he loved building them in his room by himself. And one day he came to me and said, "Dad, I want this. Uh, I want this pirate ship Lego uh, thing." And and it was huge. It was bigger than him, everybody. And I, I'll never forget. It was eighty nine ninety nine. I uh, thought, man, eighty nine ninety nine, And I told him, I said, Jake, that's a lot of money. He says, I know, but I want it. You know? And I said, <laughs> I'm like, okay. And, and, and so I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm getting ready to go preach in Florida. I'm going to be gone for like four or five days. When I get back, um, every, he was in a little thing called Bible quiz where they memorize Bible questions and, and memorize verses. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a dollar for every Bible verse you memorize. I thought when I got back, maybe he'd get 20, you know. I got back from that trip, and he quoted to me 89 Bible verses. (laughs) You have to raise them according to their bents, is what I'm trying to tell you, okay? And and if I would have done that with Janessa, she might have quoted 89 Bible verses, but she would have done it upside down, all right? (laughs) And, and, and so, and I'll never forget. I gave him ninety-one dollar bills because I wanted him to understand how much ninety dollars was. We had put the pirate ship on layaway. Anybody remember that thing you could do? And so, little Jake went with a wad of money that was bigger than his face. You know, I mean, it was this tall. And he went up there, and the lady said, "That'll be however much." And he looked at me and said, "Is that all of it?" I said, "Yeah. Get used to it, buddy. That's how it is." <laughs> all right you got to raise them according to their bents. Number three, here's what that verse says to me. Number three is you got to raise them in their way. So you got to know your child. you got to train them up. But you got to train them in their particular way. Now, I want to make a statement here that's built off my opening statement. Children are not born as a hunk of clay that we can mold into whatever we want them to be. Oh, I'm glad you said amen to that. And I want you to notice where the amens are coming. There's a few, I apologize, but there's a few gray hairs on the amens that are coming. Because if not, we have this idea, oh, we've been given this lump of clay. We can turn them into anything we want them to be. And so then we try to live vicariously and fulfill all the dreams we didn't get fulfilled through our children. And it frustrates them. Children are not a a hunk of clay. Listen to me. They are born with a God-given plan and God-given uniqueness, and God-given... Come on, is that making sense? God-given potential inside of... In other words, God designed a personality for each one of them to accomplish His will for Him on this earth. Come on, will you hear that? Now, this often leads to frustration because they are nothing like us. Or they're too much like us. That's your, that's your daughter, you know what I mean, right? Right? Well, and they're nothing like one another. And, and we can't necessarily raise them the way that we were raised or that we raised the previous child. What worked for one, don't think, oh, I've cracked the code. No, you haven't. You haven't cracked the code. Think about this. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had two, well, they had more kids, but they had Cain and Abel, right? And, and, and Abel was pliable. He, he, he had a pliable will. He was a lover of God. He was Unselfish. Cain came along, he had a strong will. He loved himself. They were completely different. Who are you going to blame? The junior high teacher? (laughs) No. There wasn't a junior high teacher. Who were you going to blame on them? The cousins? No, there wasn't any cousins. Who are you going to blame? The grandparents? No, you can't ever blame grandparents. Thus saith the Lord. Come on, grandpas and grandmas. Right? You cannot. Who are you going to blame? They were completely different. We are different. I could go through case study after case study. Uh, 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 Jacob and Esau, completely different temperaments, mindsets, different. They had to be raised differently. Uh, Jake, in his life, he got one spank in his whole life. I'm not advocating that. That's just what we did. And it was one swap. Pow! Cracked him on the hiney. And uh, that's a Greek word for you know what. And I cracked him on the hiney. Loved him, hugged him, told him I loved him after. He got one swat his entire life. And from that moment on, one look at him, he'd be, all right, Dad, I got you. He was a fast learner. We'd be sitting around tables with g- preachers from around the nation and just neat people that we got to meet through our ministry life. And and if he had start getting squirrely, I'd just look at him. You know, the stink eye. You know what? You guys got that. If you're a parent, you got to have that down. That, that's your first weapon, all right? Uh, And I'd give him the stink eye, and he'd be like, okay, Dad. (laughs) If you gave Janessa the stink eye, she would give you a stink eye back, all right? (laughs) You you know, it's like, and she'd turn around and go. (laughs) Here's some takeaways real quick from Proverbs 22. Again, I'm not making a Bible study out of this. I'm just kind of using it as a backdrop. Here's some takeaways from Proverbs 22 that we can apply. Verse number six. Uh, Number one is help your child... Discover who they are. Okay, help your child discover who they are. I, I've done a lot of teaching on this, but our we get our identities from our dads. Dads, you got to be present, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. You have to engage. Tell and and if your single moms in the room, God will anoint you to be daddy also. Okay, and and so because God redeems. But but hear me. Tell them. Um, tell them what they are. Tell them who they are. Tell them what they're good at. Um, uh, identify their strengths for them. Wow, you're the fastest runner I ever saw. I mean, you've got to start age appropriate, right? I have never, I told Kenny this the other day. I said, I have never seen somebody mold Play Doh quite the way you mold Play Doh. You're the best Play Doh builder I have ever seen. But you begin that. And you, and you begin to, you can't identify their strengths if you're not watching them, okay? Um, and, and so let me tell you a little tradition we have in our home. This is one of the things we stumbled on. We do this little birthday tradition. In fact, it's free. You can have it. And when it's our birthdays, we've been doing this since they were old enough to talk. We'll go on the particular person's birthday, we'll go around the room, and we'll talk about something that we love about that person or a character trait or something they accomplished that year. And it is one of the most moving. We still do it to this day. We'll gather around the table. We just had Kenny's birthday. That's when I told her the Play-Doh story, all right? And we'll, we'll gather around. She's not quite old enough yet. But Carmen's birthday's coming up. Patty's birthday's coming up. Me and Janice just had our birthday. And whoo, I'm telling you what my family said about me sitting around that table. I'll tell you, it'll keep me floating for another year. It'll keep me sailing for another year. Because, oh, I didn't even know you noticed that. I was wondering, you know. And you just go around the room and you begin to identify their strengths and talk about what you love about them, their character, their traits, who they are. Um, Identity is the doorway to our destiny. And if we can help our kids know who they are, then they have a greater chance of fulfilling their destiny. Now, if you're sitting there as a parent and you're getting discouraged because, uh-oh, I missed it. God can still redeem it. And even with older children, you can instill this into their lives. Can I get an amen on that, right? But kids, for those of you that still have little kids at home, kids are looking for someone to identify them. And if you don't identify them, they'll look for a boy, they'll look for a girl, they'll look for a job, they'll look for something else to identify them. Even Jesus needed his father to identify him. Matthew chapter number 3, the heaven opens, this is my son whom I love and I am well pleased. Let me tell you a personal story. Most of you know my story. I didn't grow up with my dad. It wasn't really until I was 40 years old that I really got to have a relationship with my dad. And one night, uh, we were there, and before we knew it, we had stayed up all night. He had a little shop next to his house, and in the shop, he had like a little little uh, bar, and we would hang out over there and talk motorcycles and just talk, and, and one night, we just got to talking, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, he said, son, I am so sorry for the childhood you had to grow up in and that I wasn't there. And I was talking to him about actually starting this church. And I was telling him that I was a little bit nervous and I didn't know how I was going to do it. He began to tell me how he started his business and then one thing led to another. I said dad, I said dad I re- I really hope I can do this. Now my dad wasn't a Christian and some people you got to let, you got to accept people, right? You got to, you, you got to open your circle of love. And so I started asking him advice in the back of my mind. I was thinking, what is my dad? going to ever tell me about building a church. But I felt God say, ask him. And the things he started telling me about building his business. And all of a sudden he looked across the bar at me and he said, son, if anybody could do it, you could do it. Yeah. He said, I've never seen such a great leader he started crying tears started coming down his face saying you make me a better person whenever you're around you make people better when you're around if anybody can do it you could do it I love you son and I'm proud of you wow. when he said that to me it was like 40 years of pain dissolved in one sentence everybody come on you know what I'm saying there See, identity provides security, and kids are looking for security. Uh, no, so parents, you gotta know who they are, you gotta like who they are, and, and 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 don't need anyone else to approve who they are. Okay, let me hurry up. I've got 10 minutes here. Number two is you gotta develop their good bents. Okay, so once you find, oh, that's what they're the, oh, she likes adventure. I gotta develop that to this day. At least once she... She always goes on a trip by herself. She's been around the world. Most of the time, either Patty or I will go with her on some big adventure. They just got back from...